Let's open our Bibles today to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. We did get a little note from a missionary. Do we have that back there, Vic, from Ecuador? There he is. He wanted to wish us blessings today, all the, all the way from Ecuador. They wanted to get in, in on the fun. This is our missionary, Gonzalez, down there, trying to identify with everybody. Okay. Uh, the book of Second Peter, chapter 1. I'd like to talk to you today about God's bountiful gifts. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Peter is writing uh, actually what uh, looks like his last will and testament here. He's writing this book right before he dies. And there's some tender terminology in this book. You know, they tell us that when you get older, you get mellower. And that's really true, isn't it? Some of you remember your parents when they were younger and they were so tough on you, but now they're like mush. Uh, they're just, uh, they're very tender. That's what happens. And so when Peter is writing this book, he is just this close to martyrdom, just close to, uh, to being killed by Nero. Nero, the ruler of Rome, died in 68 A.D., and tradition says that Peter was martyred under Nero's uh, regime. He was actually crucified upside down uh, because he didn't feel it was worthy to be crucified the way Jesus was. Well, here in his last will and testament, maybe written a year before he died, uh, he, he uses the word precious. He also used that word in his first letter, which was a few years earlier. And it's interesting, as you, as you look at that word precious, uh, how many times he used it. I'm just going to give you a few times just to, just to give you an illustration. Uh, here in verse number one, he talks about our precious faith. But he also mentioned it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. In 1 Peter, he mentioned the precious blood of Christ in 1 Peter 1.19. And from Scripture, people who have created songs and hymns for us to sing have, um, have used some of those terms. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 6, he talks about a precious stone. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks about a precious Savior. And here, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, Peter wrote this letter, and he reaches back into his life, 
And uh, you'll notice here the first word is his birth name, Simon. Uh, people get sentimental when they get older. Uh, but he also uses the term, the name that Jesus gave him, which was Peter. And uh, you remember what I told you earlier the meaning of Peter is. It's the word Petros, which means a small rock. First Peter was written for Christians who were under imminent threat of persecution. Second Peter was for those in danger of false teachers and harmful influences. Uh, Irvin Himmel was a man that came to our church many years ago from Bethel Park. I was just starting here at the church and he was warning me as an older Christian, be careful, be careful, pastor. Uh, there's always an invasion of false teachers coming against churches. And, you know, we kind of look at that and we live in our little world and we don't think a lot about it, but, you know, it's really true. Uh, Satan does not sit idly by and let the church move on unopposed. And Brother Himmel told me that uh, Satan is very deceptive with false teaching. Uh, he doesn't present himself as the devil. Of course, we'd recognize that. But he comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so, so today that we look around, and then uh, this will be later in Second Peter, though, but today when we look around... Uh, if we're perceptive enough, uh, we see a lot of people that are coming against the real church, trying to get the church sidetracked, trying to get it off course and off mission, thinking about other things. And so that's one of the reasons I want you to keep that in the back of your mind whenever you read Second Peter. I want you to keep that in your mind. But here we're just talking today about the introduction he first of all talks about the title he most cherished, uh, and it is given in the first line. Simon Peter, a bondservant. I think that's the title that he most cherished. A bondservant is uh, somebody who is in bondage, a slave. Uh, he learned the lesson of humility, and in his heart he had this desire to serve the Lord. You know, when somebody comes to Christ... Uh, there is this immediate impulse that we get that we want to serve the Lord. Uh, I remember what one of our members said one time. He said, you know, I've served the devil for all of my, my beginning part of my life before I was saved. And now I want to give the same or more effort to serving the Lord as I did the devil in the first part of my life. He says, I want to serve the Lord, in other words, with all of my heart. Um, that's exactly what happened to me when I dedicated my life to the Lord. I said, I want to be involved in serving the Lord. It's an impulse that we have in our heart, that this mission that we're on is just not a do-good mission. It's just not providing a church for people to come together and have tea together or to have cookies. Uh, this is a mission that entails life and death. And so then it, it draws, it evokes out of us uh, our greatest uh, energies. And so he uses here, and, and I think the word order is important here. He first of all introduces him as a bondservant, secondly an apostle. Uh, 
here at this time, he's a mature person. And you know, with maturity usually comes humility. First Peter chapter five, verse 5. I, I want you to read this. You'll have to help me. My voice is a little messed up this morning. So, uh, and I, I, I did this on Saturday night, and I found out that you read it better alone than when I'm leading it anyway. So let's try it, okay? Likewise... What a statement. Uh, Be clothed with humility. You know, it takes a few years to really realize that uh, that's that's not a weakness. That's a strength. That's a strength. Uh, The word bond servant here is the Greek word doulos. And it was a term that, uh, that was a term of humiliation. Because in their culture, uh, it was a culture of slavery. And this was the normal word back in that time for slavery. It's not a pretty thing. But Christians took that word and followers of the Lord took that word and owned it and wore it with pride. It's interesting uh, how many great servants of the Lord felt proud to be called a slave of Jesus. I'm just going to give you a few names and I'm going to give you a few scriptures. You might want to write them down. One was Moses. Moses was said to be a slave in Deuteronomy 34 5. Uh, you know, when we think of Moses, I think of a leader wagging his finger under the nose of Pharaoh. But Moses was said in the Bible to be a slave of God. Joshua. In Joshua 24, 29, he was a slave. David, in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 18. And of course, Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And James, in James 1, 1. You know, a doulos was one in the ancient world who was absolutely, completely possessed by their master. Their master possessed them as their master possessed their tools. They didn't actually look at them as human. And so this term denoted to a Christian is a person who is completely possessed by God. Uh, A slave's rights were completely surrendered to their master. And what happens in, in, in our Christian experience is when we start to serve the Lord, we say, yeah, I want to serve the Lord. And we start out, usually we don't abandon ourselves to the service of the Lord. We gradually learn to abandon ourselves to the servant of the Lord. You know, people come to church and they accept Christ and they say, you know, I'd like to serve the Lord a little bit. And so they get a little bit involved in a little bit of service. And as they grow, uh, we found this to be true. The reward of a job well done is more work to do. And then they, they desire even to give more of themselves and more of themselves. And that word is a word of a person who is completely, absolutely, unreservedly, totally 
given over to the will of their master. Now, in learning the lesson of humility, humility, remember I've said this to you before, comes through humiliations. And if you live long enough, you'll have a number of those. Setbacks, defeats. Age has a lot to do with this. You know, when people are young, they're filled with energy and optimism, and they can't fail, right? Until they fail. And we've seen a number of people just recently in this tremendous economic decline in our country that have been so humbled that one time were pretty proud that it couldn't happen to them. You know, they tell us that unemployment is around 9%, but it's actually around 19%. And uh, that's the underemployed in there also, people that have given up trying to find a job. And so people are really suffering out there. And their, their businesses that they once had, they're working harder and harder to make less and less. And uh, that, whole, that whole pride thing, uh, you know, when you're doing good, you feel good, and you feel like, boy, this can't happen to me. And the whole pride thing uh, begins to dissipate. And uh, through embarrassment, the embarrassment of defeat, and things of that nature. And so here is Peter at the end of his life, and he's saying, listen, uh, the tag that I want to be noted by is I am simply a slave of Jesus. And I think we could say, well, you know, Peter, you're an apostle too, right? But I think probably at this time in his life that wasn't too important to him. Maybe when he was younger, he wore it, his degree uh, pretty proudly. Not now. That, the second word is the word apostle. And that, that, was, that was special. That, uh, the twelve apostles sometimes in the New Testament simply go by the word the twelve. Um, that was a unique group. In order to be in the twelve, you had to personally be acquainted with the Lord's ministry and an eyewitness to his resurrection. Those two qualities. Uh, that means that uh, somebody was... Maybe they weren't the 12 that was surrounding him for those three years, but maybe they were just a little bit out farther on the fringe, but they were well, well acquainted with the ministry of our Lord. So they could be uh, termed that also. Uh, in, the, in the Bible, there is uh, the high sense of an apostle, and that's the 12, but then there's a lower sense also in the Bible. Where, for instance, in Romans 16, uh, where some people were called apostles. And simply in that sense, they were people called with a message. They were a messenger. And so here he, he begins to write his last will and testament. And 